Hey, this is Pablo, your Chief Executive Connector, and today is another one of those episodes that was just a super interesting conversation that I have to share with you with my buddy, Bo Wilkes, who is the Managing Director of an Innovation Center at a $2 billion healthcare system. And he carved out this role for himself after being the interim CEO for a hospital, and now he's on a whole new journey of learning new things from venture capitalists, Silicon Valley, and applying it to the healthcare sector. So he started recently publishing on LinkedIn and growing his social media following, and he's doing an awesome job at it. So when I saw how mindful he was being, I reached out to him to find out what was going on, and it led to this conversation. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it. Enjoy. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. So what's going on, Matt? Um, Is it cool that I'm recording this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I record. I record everything, man. Like I make content out of everything these days. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> perfect, perfect. No, I love it. I was catching up on stuff last night, so it was good to uh, see what you're doing and and what's working on. And you know, honestly, kind of this whole journey, you and and one other guy, kind of inspired me. You know, connecting is I've taken it for granted. You know, I'm an introvert masquerading as an extrovert, and so you know, not having the ability to be in the office or traveling or you know, just a number of that things doesn't provide that that opportunity. And so, kind of took the jump with LinkedIn, and it and it's been fruitful. So excited to to see where things go from here. That's cool, man. I listen, dude. I look at what you're doing on LinkedIn, and I'm like, this is what everybody should be doing on LinkedIn. Like, like what you're doing is so simple and so obviously well tactically executed that I have to assume someone's like coaching you or something like that. Because like the way that you are, you know, I, I'd love to get into that conversation, right? But like, I I see LinkedIn as this very fertile ground to just share a little bit of what you just learned. If you take a call with somebody, say, Hey, I just talked to this person and this is what they're about and tag them. Right. And like tagging people on LinkedIn on a value add post about them functions incredibly well because people love to be promoted. Right. Like that's really why I make content out of everything. Cause every, every time I talk to somebody, I'm just like, 
you know, the next level up from like talking to Bo and introducing him to a friend is talking to Bo, recording our conversation, and then just like putting Bo's genius on the silver screen in front of all my network, right? Like, and then, and it serves both people. Like before the pandemic broke out, I'd be out at networking events and like, I'd somebody say something smart, I'd be like, hey, hold on. I'd bust out my phone and be like, dude, what'd you say about cyber hygiene? Like, that was really good. Like I use this cyber hygiene example because this is a real life example, right? Like somebody was talking to me about cybersecurity comparing it to hygiene. I was like, I've never heard of it that way. So I'm like, explain that to me. And then I would just post a video on my LinkedIn. Like, dude, this guy just explained cyber hygiene, check him out. And I would see, you know, my network engage with him and his network engage with me. I was like, this is, this is beautiful, bro. This is like the perfect, like intro to each other. And, uh, ever since I've just been, you know, leaning more and more into that. And it's, uh, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of turned it into a, a relationship flywheel of sorts, which is what I, what I coined my product these days. But I'm curious to hear kind of like what, when you, when you got started doing it, did you have, did you have some advice or you just, did you intuitively figure it out as well? Or I, I would say more intuitively figured it out. You know, I kind of reached out to a few people and, and saw, you know, posting and, and, you know, my first post was kind of like, no idea what I'm doing. Let's, you know, let's leverage some people in my network that I know that are being, you know, purpose driven in this space. And I think at the end of the day, to, to your point, it, it's got to be a win-win for everyone. You know, it, it's, it's a value add for me, but a value add for, for you. You know, it's funny, I was uh, catching up on some of your content last night and, and who you were talking to, but you kind of sw- slipped about, you know, I want to be the most popular guy in the room. And you're like, oh man, that's the old Pablo. You know, the new Pablo is about connecting and, and providing value. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the network is all about. And so there was a post that really resonated with me last night and I posted it this morning and it and your primary network's there to kind of support you and, and kind of help you and encourage you, cheerleaders, if you will, for your, your growth. LinkedIn gives you access to that, that secondary network. And that's the network that challenges you, that, that kind of pushes you outside your status quo, that introduces you to things that you otherwise potentially wouldn't have access to. And that's ultimately kind of where I really want to sit. And so, especially as my role from an innovation and entrepreneur and, and venture capital perspective, I, I really have to understand that because within our organization, a $2 billion very traditional healthcare oriented, you know, organization, how am I constantly introducing things to challenge the way that we're doing business? Whether we adopt it or not, it's ultimately not my end result, but it's thinking of a new way of how we disrupt healthcare to improve the patient and clinical experience, drive better quality, and either produce a new revenue stream or reduce costs. That's where the value add, I think, comes in. And so if I can introduce people outside my network inside, that, that becomes ultimately what I'm trying to drive. And so, you know, I, I've, I've developed my network in a way that that's, affords me that opportunity. And LinkedIn was just a really another great opportunity. And so as long as you reach out in a thoughtful way and you don't kind of copy and paste a, a cold email, you know, cold call, so to speak, I'll normally give you the opportunity to engage with you. And and if there's value there, then, you know, let's hop on the phone for 30 minutes. And if that 30 minute conversation goes well, let's explore and see where that, that opportunity leads. And so, you know, back to your original question, reaching out to folks like you and, and kind of just getting snippets here and, and, and like Kyle Gordon and, and other folks, I mean, it, at the end of the day, what I always try to drive from is how is it a value add for them? first and foremost. And, and it comes back to how is it a value, hopefully a value add for me 
in return. And sometimes maybe it's just me giving. Maybe I don't have anything else other than to, to share. And and that's really kind of been this journey, what it's been all about, right? Dude, I love it, man. Like I, people just don't get that intuitively, right? Like the, there's very few, I have a content conversation with people all the time, right? As you can imagine, because I'm super into it. The amount of people that understand content from the relationship perspective first, right? And then on top of that, the people that understand relationships from the giving perspective first are a very, very small bucket, man. So I'm just super impressed of the last three minutes. I'm just like, wow, both super impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got somebody pulled, right? So no, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what my dad instilled in me. And, and you you know, it's a, a lesson that, you know, I, I really take, you know, for to value a whole lot more because, you know, serving is at the crux of what we're all trying to do. Like we're all in this battle together. We are all are faced with different challenges every single day, but, but how can we lift each other up and support each other? And there's going to be times when I probably need more support than I do, than I have the ability to give. And it's just the ebbs and flow. And so if you build kind of those meaningful relationships, I think that the the value is constantly being exchanged, you know, over the life. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, energy matter in the universe. There's, there's, it, it, it you're not creating any new, you're just kind of using it and building it. And so same thing in a relationship, how, how can you kind of put money in the bank and take money out as you need it? So. I love it, man. And listen, dude, I, you know, I read about, I read about your father's passing, man. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, sorry to hear that. And I, and I love that you, that you refer to him in this moment because it hits, it hits kind of where I, the big lesson that I learned, right. Which was my brother's passing in the Valley of community. Right. So like I, I do, that's very, very real when you are, it becomes very real when you're in need and you realize you built it, you know, like it, it, it realized that you built that support network for the moment that you needed it as opposed to coming from that, from that position of power of just like, look at my support network. Right. Like it's like when you, when you really need it, man. And, and I think that makes it really special, man. Yeah. So I, I'd love to hear, you know, I'd love to share a little bit about my journey, but I kind of love to hear your journey and, and, you know, especially digging into, you know, where your your brother's passing and then ultimately kind of how it's led you here, because I mean, chief people officer, or is it, is that right? Chief people chief, officer, chief, chief executive connector. <laughs> uh, chief executive connect. I mean, that that's awesome. And you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, I listened to, to a lot of, uh, a lot of your content. And I think one of the things that, that resonated with me early on was, you know, as you go to these conferences and you're standing in line, strike up a conversation, uh, you know, with that person in front of you or behind you. And I'm like, man, I never thought of that. Cause I, again, I'm an introvert masquerading as an extrovert. And so I get into some of these large conferences and I'm just like, man, I don't know anybody here. This is kind of awkward. I'm just going to kind of sit over here in the corner and drink my coffee and wait for the next session to start. Right. So yeah, it, it resonated with me. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, I'm happy to go into it, right? Like I, I would love to put a limit of like six to eight minutes or else I'm going to talk for 85 minutes, right? But uh, it's so funny, man, that that tip. So that tip and the what brings you here are the two tips that people are always just like, fuck, how did I not think of this? You know. But yeah, anyways, man. Dude, so, you know, I I at one point, I when I moved to Miami and I started my green building company, I, you know, got really involved with Habitat for Humanity started a young professionals group. And that kind of like set me on this like parallel track of like getting on boards of charities and 
doing leadership Miami and then getting on the economic development board, getting named to like a top 20 under 40. And then parallel to that, two years in, my biggest client acquired my company, which was just a one-man show. They basically just bought out all my contracts and brought me in-house at like a nice salary and made me director of sustainability. And like a couple of years into that, I was I was like at a dead end, right? They kind of just like hired me to solve that problem and leave me there to die. And a couple of things, a couple of big aha moments happened. One was somewhere around 32, I realized that my Ace Ventura stick had a shelf life for like making relationships with adults. And that really adding value to people's lives was the best way to create these relationships, right? Like surrounded by all these like nonprofit people, like I'm just like, man, these people are just giving and that's how you make great friends, you know? So, so that mindset hit. And then when my brother passed, you know, and 1200 people showed up to the church, the, the value of community again, hit me really, really strong. Like, dude, if, if we didn't have this, first of all, it's like, this isn't my religion. This is my community. And, and, you know, whatever qualms I have with the Catholic church are now gone because I'm never leaving this community. And, and this made everything so much easier during the hardest hour. And then really the, really the thing that really hit me deep that, that I talk about less is that everybody that reached out to me after the fact about my brother, uh, you know, my brother, eight and a half years older than me, love him to pieces, right? Like was the best fan at my wedding. He's like, let me see what I don't want to be like of the stuff that he does. Right. So it was very much that he was like an anti North star for me. And as people reached out to me and like people came out of droves, man, like 1200 people, right. Like, you know, like Facebook messages for months from like college friends and old, you know, people I didn't know. And everybody was just like, dude, your brother was this guy that lightened up a room, man. Like, like made sure everybody was happy. It was always a good time if you're there. And I'm like, fuck, that's how I see my, you know, like, that's like the value that I see in me. And I never saw that in him. And my head immediately went to, what am I missing from my loser uncle? What am I missing from this person that I hadn't forgotten? Right? Like the, the idea that everybody around you has more value to everybody else than you possibly imagine, no matter how close you think you know them. And then I really started leaning into that. And the next like big tipping moment was, again, I'm at a dead end at my job. My CEO, at this point, the CEO had turned over twice before they, since they acquired me because the company is like in a tailspin. He gets invited to a panel about smart cities and doesn't want to go. Last minute sends me. I go. I share the stage with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of smart cities for the World Bank. And for the first time ever, when I come off a stage, I have a line six people deep waiting to talk to me. And it immediately hits me. Everybody there thinks I'm more important than I am when I think I'm in a dead end at my job and I got a line six deep waiting to talk to me. And based on like all the, you know, reading on persuasion and the brain and stuff that I do, I know that the brain justifies what it sees, right? So like I'm on stage there in the audience, the stage automatically attributed a higher level of validation of whatever I'm saying. But this time was different because I was also guilty by association with a couple of people on stage that were of a certain ilk. And that's a super powerful mechanism as well. And my head immediately went to, oh, how can I use this trick? Not as how can I be on more stages, but how can I put people that I want to get close to on stages to then serve them to, you know, get to, to, you know, to get to what I want. Right. So I, my first move was I reached out to this developer in South Miami that was building this project across from UM and Coral Gables on top of the Metro Rail station. It was a high rise people in Coral Gables. That's a high high income, low density neighborhood didn't want it in their backyard, but I knew that it was transit oriented development and, and incentivizing mass transportation that Miami desperately needs. 
So I reached out to this guy. I'm like, hey, man, I want to have an event for my young professionals of Miami. You know, at this point, I created multiple young professional groups. And uh, I want to talk about transit-oriented development and how we need it in our skyline. And I'm going to put you on stage with a politician on the board of one of my charities and a land use attorney that I started this Habitat group with who was my client. And uh, at this point, was my client. And have this like simple little event that cost me nothing, right? I had like 20 young professionals show up, educate them, put this guy, connect them. A week later, we're backdooring a $60 million project that everybody in the city was trying to go for competing on price. And we're at the table based on value, right? So that that turned me that turned me into a business developer. And then I got obsessed with the idea of how do I create more stages? And as I iterated through, I started realizing it's not just this like local stage, but my phone, the, the phone is the stage, right? Like they say, don't believe everything you, re- you see on TV because it's a stage. They say, you know, like careful what you read in an email because right. an email is a stage, right? Like, and as I iterated through this, I, I, I got to this formula, man, that I, that I now have very neatly packaged as a relationship flywheel. That is the idea that if you can figure out who you're trying to serve and understand what they need and have the humility to get the fact that your solution is just one piece of what they need, but they need all these other things. And if you can take inventory in your clientele, in your network and within arm's reach of your network and create some sort of stage, which to me these days, it's a Zoom call, right? Like it's a, it's a Zoom webinar and have, you know, figure out those pain points that you're trying to solve. That's, I see it as a, the flywheel has like three components. It's value, relationships, and content, right? So the value is the piece that the people that you're trying to serve are seeking, right? So like, Whomever, whomever has that information, whatever present thing that they're trying to learn from, if you can, if you can attract them with that value, then you bring them to the stage, right? You bring them to that weekly webinar or monthly webinar. When you're at that weekly or monthly webinar, you're thinking relationships, right? And you're enabling three relationships. One is the relationship with the person that you're hosting, right? That's like that deep, intimate dinner that like sharing a keynote, you know, like that's that really solidifies a relationship. No matter how close you were, like once you're interviewing somebody about their hopes and dreams and their talents and everything, it brings you much closer, right? The other relationship is your relationship with your audience, right? By bringing them value consistently, you're going to be creating a relationship at, at, in mass and and the clientele or the, whoever you're trying to serve by seeing you once a week or once a month and getting to spend that hour with you, it substitutes the half hour call that you'd have to make with each and every one of them. Because really, they only have like maybe one question to ask you, but just that the propinquity of being around you allows to nurture that relationship. And then the third relationship is nurturing the relationship between the guest and the audience, right? So like when people ask a question, contextualize it, right? So it's like, hey, Bo, who is in Tennessee and, you know, he's a big Clemson fan, but, you know, we're going to forgive him for that. But he has this question for you, you know, like (laughs) shit like that, right? Like asking the question like that so that it feels almost like not just you're, you're allowing them to ask a question, but you're introducing them, them to the guest and creating that relationship. And if you're driving that at that moment and you're recording these conversations, right? Like what we're doing right now. And then you take that one hour conversation and you turn it into the, you know, five to eight best one to three minute lessons learned, aha moments, whatever that you format for LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the way that I format it with like that hook kind of like, you know, the, the, the flash of the thing and then the brand and then the story with subtitles, with a headline that draws you in, with captions that make you say, huh, you know, like that make you want to enroll, right? Because all, all online content is hook story offer, right? Like people scroll the length of the Eiffel Tower every day and you have, you got to hook them. So they stop for five seconds to get to that 
second 45 where the aha moment happens, right? So like the three ways you do that is the first five seconds, the headline and the caption and how that works in concert gets people to stop, slow down and look at it. So you, you take the, you know, the, the aha moments, you take the questions that people ask, right? Like you put, you put the question on the screen as someone's rolling up with the person's name and then boom, it flashes in and it's somebody answering it along with the caption. You take the best things that they said, you turn them into quote cards, you take the audio, you turn it into a podcast, you take the hour long video, you turn it into a branded YouTube show. And then like the 10 best minutes and turn it into a YouTube snippet. You take the lessons learned and turn the bullet points into an email that you send out to your list. And then you expand on those bullet points and turn it into an SEO optimized blog. And as you, as you keep doing that, it turns this flywheel, right? Cause it's like the value you bring on the stage to the audience you then repurpose so everybody feels like they get a piece of that stage that then allows you to get more value on the stage because people are like, oh man, this isn't about him. They're promoting me, right? Like, and then you get more audience, then you get better content, then you get better value, then you get more audience, you know? So that's, that's what I do, man. And my, you know, the, I've, my longest running customer, we started January 28th, started this not your average investor show for a turnkey rental income property investing company. December 22nd had a fan appreciation show and it ended up being like an hour and a half of people just coming on screen, giving like six minute testimonials about like, this has been so valuable for my life. I'm so glad I'm part of a community. This has totally convinced me to invest with you. Like I had just had like an hour and a half of that. And Q4 of 2020, this company that's 14 years old has been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal twice, Inc. 5,000 the last eight years in a row just had their biggest quarter ever with their biggest pipeline ever going into Q1. And like right now, biggest January ever that we're wrapping up and it's just like, it's exploding. Right. So now I'm like scaling this thing and offering this as a B2B, you know, relationship flywheel. Cause it's like the intersection between business development, marketing, community creation, and, and, that, and, and, and really it's now at this point driving culture inside the organization, right? Like the, the CMO went from being like, oh, here's Greg with his iPhone trying to get me to be funny on camera for the clients to like, hey, so what's going on in the show? So my client said this, you know, like it's, I, I really okay. think I've made the discovery of my life kind of thing, right? Like that, that is totally integrated with who I am and the legacy of my brother. And now I get to tell the story all the time. You know, like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really, really good headspace about it. So yeah, that's it. That's it. What was that? Eight minutes. <laughs> it was 11 if you're counting, but you know, <laughs> oh, man. no, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, I appreciate again, kind of that, that stage dynamic and, and kind of that, that metaphor becomes powerful and, and you're right. I mean, I think that, that there is tremendous value into to kind of what you're doing and, and that B2B becomes huge, but yeah, never, never, never thought of it that way. So no, it's good to, it's good to frame up and it's uh, exciting to connect and I'd love six. I'll try to do it in six minutes. I'd love to kind of share my journey. Please you, no, no, please. You want to hear it? Like I, I, I want to hear um, your journey. I want to know what, like what your overall goal is, how I can help you. Right. Like, yeah. So, you know, started, I guess my healthcare professional career that, you know, I want to be CEO of the health system, right? Who, I mean, you know, trying to do that just for no other naive factor of, you know, I just wanted to, to really uh, dig in, try to challenge myself. And, and that was the, the pinnacle, right? I, I don't know if it was power, money, I, I don't know, right? And so started down that journey and, and kind of t twisted my way, kind of grew up within the strategic planning realm of our organization, afforded the opportunity to become chief of staff for our CEO and 
During that, got to wear a number of different hats. So governance project managed the merger that now created Ballot Health, which became pretty complex. You know, mergers were normally six to nine months. This thing went on for four years, dealt with the FTC, the state of Tennessee, Commonwealth of Virginia, just really exposed me to a lot of different things. And then really at the end of the day, the chief of staff role within our organization is I lived within the white space of all of our executive vice presidents. And so if it didn't fall within finance or operations or you know, the chief physician executive, it fell into my lap and I got to deal with it. And so especially building some of these projects, establishing a foundation and then turning it over to somebody else, I loved it. But I wanted to, I wanted to be CEO. And so our CEO said, you know, you need to grow into that operations is a big component. Let's put you in a hospital. So I moved over into a hospital and, you know, it just, it wasn't my cup of tea. You know, the day-to-day operations, there's tremendous value into, to, you know, what those folks do. And I don't want to minimize that by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it ultimately was not my passion. And so started seeking other opportunities. And I went back to our CEO and, and said, you know, maybe I want to get into consulting because I like the fast pace, the the constant change. I like to create, I like new different challenges every single day, not necessarily maintaining, right? Don't screw it up. I don't want to be in the don't screw it up phase. I want to constantly be creating and challenging and pushing myself. And as I looked to, to, to kind of the trajectory of the industry, you know, you typically have moments of plateau, like there's a lot of change and then an industry kind of plateaus and then, you know, 10 years goes by and then there's a lot of change. I felt like I potentially was going to be coming into the industry as an executive leader during a plateau phase. And again, that didn't excite me. So I started exploring, looking around, kind of went back to our CEO. Long story short, he brought me back in as chief of staff. And I said, I wanted to really kind of dig into the innovation side of things. We had kind of made a commitment, but not really. And so it became my side hustle is what I like to call it. And and spent a lot of effort for about a year and a half, really kind of engaging, trying to set up some strategic guardrails, engaging the the, uh, organization internally, providing some education. And January of 2020 rolled around. We had a, a venture company of ours starting to go south, and the board ultimately decided to remove the CEO of that company. And our CEO said, you know, this company's probably going to go bankrupt, but we're going to put you in an interim CEO and president role. And I, you know, immediately eyes were big. I'm like, what, what is, what does that mean? So it's a, you know, five million dollar revenue company, three and a half million, four million dollars in debt, and you know, here I am going to parachute into this company that operates up and down the Eastern seaboard in Texas. And, you know, what, what does all that mean? So, so I call a few advisors, mentors of mine and just said, what am I getting, what am I getting myself into? Basically their comment was, you're going to be hit with everything. You're going to become the leader of HR, the leader of finance, the leader of operations, the executives, the the conduit to the board, the the you know the speaker for the investors. Buckle up because it's going to be a ride. And sure enough, it was. You know, the first thirty days were wild. You know, took about a million dollars out of payroll, took another five hundred thousand out of opex. Really, just trying to to dig into what was going on. And then, all of a sudden, a pandemic hits. Right pandemic like we've never seen before. And here we are just hanging on by a thread. And so kind of really immediately went into preservation mode and, and kind of had, to, unfortunately had to furlough a lot of people, but you know, it, it ultimately afforded the opportunity to really challenge myself and grow outside. And so came back to the organization, 
about 110 to 120 days. It was supposed to be kind of a 90-day stint, but it ended up being almost 120 days. We identified a permanent CEO. The organization is still in existence today, although it's hanging on by a thread. And came back to the organization. It was kind of like, now what? And they were like, well, we're going to move you permanently into this innovation and, and venture capital world. And I was like, great. You know, started really engaging with just anybody that would have an audience with me. One of the ones that I can't think enough was Kevin Lemke at Stanley, Stanley X. So Kyle Gordon, Kyle introduced me to Kevin, reached out to Kevin and Kevin was like, come on out to San Jose. Would love to show you what we're doing, have a conversation and introduce you to some folks. And the great thing I love about this space is while everybody kind of holds on to their IP and everybody's willing to help everybody, you know, in any way, shape or form, whether it be introductions, whether it be just a sounding board, mentorship, whatever it may be, the energy and the passion here is just contagious. And I I loved it and just started digging in as much as I could, reached out to one of our, our venture funds that we participate in. And I just said, I want to come work for you guys for free. And they were like, sorry, what? I was like, no better way to get an education than to, to be an intern or a fellow or w- whatever we want to call it. And they were like, well, you're more than an intern, but you know, we've always wanted to build an executive and resident or a fellow program. We'd love to have it. Let us talk about it. We'll get back with you. So about two weeks later, they reached back out and said, if you'll help us build this you know, executive and residence program, we'll, we'll we'll bring you on board. And I was like, would, would love it. You know, got permission from our organization and it's really a value add, right? I'm bringing, it's providing access to folks that I'm introducing into the organization, kind of challenging the way that we're doing business. I'm getting an education externally and it's just kind of been off to the races, you know, in any way, shape or form that I can dig in here. You know, it, at the end of the day, it's all about identifying a problem, trying to create as much as you can, challenging yourself with, with areas that you might not be comfortable with, but leveraging the skills that you have, man, it's just, it's just constant professional growth. And I love it. Awesome. So. Awesome, dude. When you say, when you say, when I got into this space, everybody was willing to share by this space, do you mean the innovation space or, or, or what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of innovation and, and just being an entrepreneur, you know, whether it be coming at it from the, the, the venture capital side, which, you know, you look at it, you kind of got, the entrepreneur, you have innovation as a whole. You have the entrepreneur that's trying to create. You got the venture capital that ultimately wants to help create. And then how do you kind of bring those two together? Really, everybody operating in that space was was willing to, to you know, sit on a stage with me, right? To Back to your, your, you know, the story you tell. And I'm sitting with a partner of a venture capital in front of, you know, some entrepreneurs. And so just by association, it's affording me a level of respect that I otherwise maybe not deserve. And and it's just really building those relationships. And so it's opening doors and everything. But again, I mean, people are just so willing to, if you knock and, and at least have a decent ask, right? Or even a story to tell, they're they're willing to listen. They'll give you 15 minutes into your they'll they'll give you 30 seconds. And to your point, as long as you can get that hook, they'll give you 15 minutes and those 15 minutes might turn into you know, days, months, weeks, years, whatever it may be. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. Dude, so, so <laughs> you're so good at contextualizing on the fly, man. Like, right, like the, like how you immediately adapted it to my whole like analogy is fantastic. But yeah, you're right, right? Like that, like that's what I found. Once you get out of the, the gravity of 
the corporate America kind of like fixed mindset and you get into the infinite mindset of, of the entrepreneurial world or, or people kind of just like at that level that you've now that echelon that you've reached of, you know, maybe I'm working in corporate America, but I now have this like uncapped potential that I can go out and seek. It is really impressive how, how the way people treat you change and how like the, the, that like collaboration thing is happening. And I also think it's very tied into the times, man. Like I, I just very much think that, I don't know if you listen to or follow Brene Brown at all. Do you know who she is? So I'll send you some Brene Brown stuff, man. But like she talked about early on this idea and, and like this came out during like the Me Too movement, right? But this idea that we've gone from a power over society, right? Like forever, we've, we've functioned as like whoever gets an advantage, you hold on to it and you, and you, and you kind of hold it over people and that's how you become wealthy and, and you get ahead to now that the internet has and social media has democratized information, there is no more advantage that you can hold for a long time, right? Because there are very little secrets. So you got to evolve into this like power with society, right? So it's like the people that figure out how to win by enabling other people around them are the ones that are going to win long term. Like there is that, that like that archetype of the, of Jack Welch, I think is going, I think is going down, right? Like, like I, I think that the new archetype is this new type of entrepreneur and business leader that is closer to a, a Gary V or a Richard Branson or even Warren Buffett, right? Like the, the people that are really just like reaching out into society and like uplifting others through education and access that are going to be the long-term winner guys, right? Or ladies or women. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had a boss that told me very early on, you know, you hire for your weaknesses and, you know, that, that's, that's a challenge for a lot of people, right? You, you want to hire to folks that you can minimize because you don't want to feel like someone else is smarter than me. But, but I love the mindset of hire for your weakness, you know, because you're not going to be all things. And so you need kind of that well-rounded team to ultimately, because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, right? And so, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but, you know, I've always made it a point to show up every day and to truly roll up your sleeves and, and really kind of dig in as much as I can, because, you know, as much value as you put in is, is how much value is you're going to get out. And so, you know, I always try to surround myself with a great team, you know, really try to get out of their way and let them create as much as they can and, and, and just learn as much as I can along the way. And, you know, to, to some extent, I'm, I'm definitely polar opposite of kind of a micromanager. I'm probably a little too hands off at times. And so I constantly remind my team, Hey, reach out when you need me because I'll have, you know, the routine check-ins, but, you know, really and truly I want to set the fundamentals and, you know, one of the big questions I always ask is, you know, are you a self-starter? How can you kind of create things on your own? Because I've always operated in a space that is undefined by my organization. And so I've constantly created my job description and constantly created my way. Now, in this space, there's a lot of folks that I can lean on and learn from, but then how do I adapt it to my culture? And so as I hire people into kind of our organization, I really just want to empower them to bring in their skills and expertise to provide value back to the organization, but then also challenge them to grow. But really, and truly, let's grow together. You know, this is this is it, it, 
One of the very first questions, and this is probably the most powerful thing that's ever been asked of me. One of the very first questions our CEO asked of me was, you know, after we, I meet him for the very first time, we exchange pleasantries and he sits me down in this room and he goes, so you're going to be my chief of staff. Very first question out of his mouth was, what is it you want to do professionally? And it, it, that blew me away. Like it, here's the CEO of, of this billion dollar hospital system. And it's not, you know, what is it you do? How do you function? You know, whatever it's, it's what, what is it that you want? And, and that, you know, Alan Levine, you know, who recruited Taylor and everything up here, that, that resonated so much with me. And so I try to take that, you know, and, and so it's one of the very first questions out of my mouth, because how can I empower you to continue to grow? Because I don't want you in this job forever. You know, how, it, and if it's, if this job, how can we continue to change it and, and, you know, allow you to grow and push you to achieve? And I mean, I think that's at the end of the day, what it's all about. And so kind of, full circle here it that you know that's what i'm trying to do from a community standpoint is is you know how can i help you grow and and how can you help me grow and you know let's go because this is all together right i love it bro i love it so it's funny man because in my head i was like all right there's two things that i want to ask you one of them is like have you asked yourself where you want to be in 10 years five years like what's what's your what's your goal for the next like generation of your life kind of thing. And then the other thing I'd love to get into is what are you reading and what are you, what are you listening to right now, man? Cause like every, in, in the language and everything that you're telling me, I'm like, bro, I want to send them this book. I want to send them this book. I want to, you know, like I got to send them this podcast, but I'd love to kind of hear what, you know, have you, have you taken a minute and been like, this is where I want to be in 10 years now that I'm in this new spot with a, with a whole new outlook? Yes and no. And I would say this is kind of off the record because this challenges my current role, right? I, I want to move further into this space. So whether it's more in the venture cap, so that's that's kind of, you know, kind of where we are. As far as what I'm reading, honestly, it's just as much education on, you know, kind of the venture capital world and, and the healthcare side of things, you know, kind of exploring the podcast in this area. I haven't really found one that I've really sunk my teeth into. You know, uh, historically, I'll be honest with you, reading a book has, has never been my way of kind of decompressing, right? And a couple of buddies of mine who I'm on kind of, everybody's got those routine chat groups, right? That I'm in a, that, that in a group with have, are really challenging me to kind of, branch out into that world and, and really kind of to, you know, I'm talking about this kind of self-education and personal and professional growth and everything that becomes so valuable. And so really taking a step. So I would welcome, you know, a laundry list and, you know, say, say both start here and let's just start working down the list. I mean, I'm in, you know, the first thing I would tell you is I am also someone that has had a hard time sitting down with a book, but audio has changed the game for me, right? Like the, the, the idea that I, I spent from like the moment I first wake up as I'm like brushing my teeth, walking the dog, making the coffee, I'm listening to an audiobook or a podcast, you know, like when I'm making food, I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook, right? Like that, that has greatly increased my consumption of like really valuable content, right? So, and I find that people that are natural readers are like, well, I can't do this because I'm used to reading and I'm like concentrated, but the people that aren't used to sitting down and reading, they kind of get it, right? Like you're driving and you can like listen to something and you know, maybe you don't retain, maybe you're retaining 60% as opposed to 80%, but that's still 60% that you weren't getting before. So, yeah. so that's, that's the number one recommendation I tell you is just to like experiment with 
audio during your routine stuff that you normally do that you can be filling your brain as you're just like on autopilot with stuff. Second, I'm going to, I'll send you some stuff, man, but do you know who I'm very much in the, the stuff that I gravitate towards is like how we think. So how you got attention kind of stuff, which bleeds into marketing psychology and behavioral economics. And then right now I'm very much into how do you lead and how do you build an enduring company? Cause for the, you know, to be honest with you, man, I, I think for a really long time, people outside of me saw me as this like future CEO of blah, 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 but I never really saw it as myself. I just kind of saw myself as a talented dude that could spin it. And, and it hasn't been until probably the last two, three months where I'm just like, I have this vision of me in this like semi-industrial loft office talking to 45 people about like reinforcing core values. And you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm really starting to buy it. So now I'm like building during companies, right? That being said, Jim Collins is my new like Messiah, the guy that wrote good to great. Have you ever heard of that? So, so he, so he's like, he's been asking the question, how do you build an enduring company for 25 years? What are you about to pop out? Good to great. Yeah. Yeah. So let me show you this. You know, you got, you got how the mighty have fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I got a bunch of Jim Collins behind me. So his, his latest book is a revisiting of all of that stuff, right? So th- his first book was Beyond Entrepreneurship, right? And with his like mentor, Bill Lazier. So now he's gone back to Beyond Entrepreneurship and updated it as like his seminal work with all the stuff from How the Mighty Fall and Good to Great. And there's this like roadmap in the middle of like, the unenduring company stages of like, this is what you got to focus on. This is what you got to focus on. And it's, it's unreal, bro. Like I'm like, so anyways, I, I poured through this thing, you know, I'm using the flywheel terminology. So I'm like turning the flywheel stuff, right? Like, I, like I'm all over Jim Collins and, and conversely on the leadership tip, I'm really into Brene Brown because she, her podcast with Jim Collins, I was like, okay, I gotta, I just gotta buy into both of these people right now. Cause I've, I've been like, you know, flirting with them, but not, not really all in. So that would be my, the beyond entrepreneurship I'm really impressed by. And then I don't have it with me right now, but as far as like the go-to market strategy, and I, and I bring this up only because I hear a lot of language in what connected with me in the sense that you've always created your own role. I've, I've been that guy too, right? Like when I was director of sustainability, that didn't exist. And then five years later at Greenville, there was like four or five of them kind of thing. There's a book called Play Bigger. That is the study and discipline of category design and category king creation. That to me, if you're getting into the venture capital space, I would say, educate yourself on that and look for people doing this because it's super, super powerful, right? Like it's like this, it is why Steve Jobs is Steve Jobs. It is why Salesforce is Salesforce. It's why Uber is Uber. It's why, you know, like they've really distilled it. And I'm literally reading it for the second time in 12 months right now. Cause I'm just like all in on this concept again. Cause I, I read it first when I was implementing the Nitro Average Investor Show, cause I'm trying to, you know, what, what happened behind the scenes of, of this company is that they went from the company that's my client with this platform that we created they went from selling people on investing in homes to investing in an asset class, right? Like it was like, you know, let me look at this house. Do I want to buy this to, I got 200 grand that I want to put into a long-term low risk, high growth, you know, bucket. Let me get four, you know, like how many can I get from this? And, and to me, and it was done very deliberately following these principles. So I'm just like, you know, so yeah, man. So those are the two, those are the two ones. Uh, So I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you. 
I'll send you the link to Brene's podcast with Jim Collins. You're going to love it. And, uh, or at least I think you're going to love it. I'm not going to be so presumptuous, but I think, <laughs> but yeah, man, I like it. And any recommendation of anything that, that you've read lately that is really, really good. No, again, I, I've kind of been digging in just to, to, to kind of the education of my world and really kind of getting deeper into, you know, just the, the evolving trends and everything kind of in healthcare VC and just entrepreneurism. So I need to do a better job of reading. So hopefully uh, next time we have a conversation, I'll be like, Pablo, I just, I read this great book and and here's my recommendation, but you know, just need to do a better job here. And again, I think that's really kind of what I'm challenging myself in 2021 to, to kind of evolve into and and to, to really focus in on personal and professional growth. Right. And I think that brings a lot of value to, you know, the role I'm in and to just a number of different things while trying to provide some balance in life too. You know, it's not obviously all work. So got two kids now. So I know, I know that's the part you left out. The last thing I'm going to leave you with, man, is you said that you haven't found the podcast in the, in, in your healthcare venture capital space that you like. I, that when you say that to me, it's like, I can't imagine a better dude to have that podcast that is you, right? Like if, if you were to, if you were to apply everything I just told you into a, you know, regular cadence of inviting people that you want to get close to, to have this conversation about how you do exactly what you're trying to get to and turning it into just a podcast, not even thinking about the whole content repurposing piece. You're going to see your network explode. You're going to see your options really, really open up and you're going to see the people that you're going to bring into your life. So if you want to, if you want to talk a little bit more tactically on how to do that, you know, let me know and we'll hop on another call, man. Perfect. Well, Pablo, man, great to catch up. But, you know, I'd love to do this with like a couple more people and just have a little round table, you know, so if the opportunity ever presents itself, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Ian, dude, are you on Clubhouse? Have you started tinkering with that or is it on your radar? I, I'm, I've got some visibility into it, but I'm not definitely not, not there. So I need to explore under, it, real quick, 30 second elevator speech. What is Clubhouse? It's a, it's a 24 seven conference with breakout rooms, right? So that's all audio, right? So like you name a breakout room, if we call it healthcare venture capital, you know, or venture capital in general, and we invite a couple of people like you and a couple of people in your network to talk about that stuff. And we start hosting like a chamber of commerce type conference panel, people are going to start trickling in and adding to the conversation. And what ends up happening is since it's directly tied to your Twitter or your Instagram, it just leads to like, it's the stage effect really on scale for anybody, right? And being able to share the stage with people. So that's how I look at it, man. And I look at it less as a host, but more as I crush at conferences and I know how to ask a good question when there's like a, a mic for a Q&A. And what I find is that when I go in there and there's a room of 300 people and there's a couple of millionaires up on stage and I get up and ask a question, the way I format it, which is contextual and shows my pain point and where I'm at and shows my understanding of the person I'm speaking to so that the audience can understand. And then I engage in a conversation. I gain like 50 followers every single time. So it's, it's just like a rapid growth. And it's also, so it's that stage effect. It's tied to your social. And it's got that feeling of like freshman year of college where everybody's new and it doesn't matter who you were in high school. So there's a high degree of curiosity. So that that's the right. three things I would say. That's that. Okay. Sounds good. Let's do it, man. We'll map hey, out great what you said. I think it's real smart. All right. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Have a great day. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage 
where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.